right, welcome to today's podcast. Kind of a full house. Finally, we can rope in our astrologer, Jen, and Amid will be joining us in just a couple of minutes. It's Eric and Alex. Hello, dear. Hi. It's a privilege and a pleasure to have your presence. I'm out of pee, so hi. <laughs> hi. Hi. How um, you doing? I'm good. Hey, um, a quick question. Yeah. What do so there's Colin Colin and Andrew, right? That's right. Colin and Andrew. What do they like to read? If you say books, I'm gonna throw a meme at your head. I have not you know what? I don't know because they really only read at bedtime and I haven't been with them at bedtime in a while, so I don't actually know. Oh, I did get um Colin a book for his birthday and it was my crack is broken like my butt's broken <laughs> and it was like it was the little boy that realized there's a crack down his butt so his butt's broken and it went over and he found it hilarious so i guess they like butt stuff well, i mean yeah i mean <laughs> amanda said to me you have to stop putting balls so they're in his back pockets but he hates them Amanda's like Amanda's giving me a couple of rules. I can never call her uh, Mandy Marie. Okay. Stay away from her feet, and I have to stop putting balls in his butt, in his butt, like his back pockets, because he hates it. <laughs> but yes, he's he's a butt person as well. And um, I asked because Amanda brought up this uh, this new, I guess, mischief. She's like, should I be worried that all the books, the characters he likes, are mischievous? I'm like. I mean, when we read it, like, was Clifford, was it Clifford really good? Like, he was getting into trouble. Curious George? Yeah. Like, he was a, he was a ty- yeah. tyrant. Dennis the Menace. Yeah. I'm like, Literally, don't, that was in his name. Yeah, it's either them or, like, superheroes, and he's not into that yet. So, there's Pete the Cat, there's the Pigeon, and Amanda brought up um, Dave, David goes to school? Can, I don't know. Can you look him up real fast? Because I took one gander. Did, and tell, look him up and tell me what it looks like. What David looks like? Yeah. Cause, or I'll tell you. And then you can you can see if I... David looks like Charlie Brown on meth and crack. He looks like Tommy Pickles as an adult. <laughs> okay. Um, but yes, he does look like, yeah, he looks like the Halloween version of Charlie Brown. Oh, God. Well, I'm sure he's up to, to no good as well. And I'm just wondering if he's going to be added to the cachet of things that You know what his ne- next read. book should be? His next book should be David Gets Braces. <laughs> Dave, Jesus Christ. David David needs to go see Dr. Fr- he David doesn't have enough teeth to have a mouthful that brace, braces would only go on like the front teeth. I suppose. He does need a Dr. Frankel in his so life. So he needs some fake teeth, and then he can get some braces. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I'm just texting Janet to call us, 419-240-1055. Um, more big news that I didn't know. My dad says, last night, did you hear about Phoenix? And I'm thinking, so apparently when I was texting Phoenix on Friday night, well, I, I, I called him. I tried to FaceTime him, and he didn't answer. And he te- and we texted. He texted me later and said, "I was talking to Sophia, a girl that I like." Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So I, Phoenix. How old I, is he now? Nine. Nine. Okay. Okay. So I thought that was what my dad was going to tell me. Uh, no, Phoenix slipped at the bowling alley and broke his wrist. 
Oh, hon. Do, so Phoenix is nine, so this is in your wheelhouse. Any idea, because it immediately jumped into my head, any idea what Phoenix is most upset about? That he cannot text on his phone. You're in... You're in the right neighborhood. Go, you're you're right there. He can't there. play games on his phone. No, yeah, no games, no video games, no phone games. He's yeah, he's one-handed. One second, I gotta mute you, okay? I heard I popped on for one second. I heard you say hello, hello. Did hello. you lose Janet? So we have a phone problem here at the station, and I'm gonna oh, have to no. get Josh the engineer on it. So. Uh oh. The, the you know speaking of the stars and astrology, the universe is working against us from having our number one astrologer on with us. Damn them. So, um. So yeah, the poor the poor kid can't be on his phone because of his wrist. How huh? maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> I, I I don't know. He's not a sports kid. So okay. I, I can see why he's pretty deflated about it, but that's Aww. immediately what I thought of because uh, Amanda's son has his phone a lot as well. Um, but like even us adults, like how do you do you do have to do do you have to do a lot of work on the computer, typing up reports, using a mouse, stuff like that? I do actually. I may have to go to the eye doctor because my eyes just are not doing well. Like I feel them strained all the time. So I am on the computer all the time. What isn't wrong with you? Oh, stop. They're just dry at the end of the day. And like, they're like cloudy. My contacts cloud over and they just suck. Keep, uh, do, you, do you put drops in your eyes for your contacts? I don't, but I do use eye wash. So like if my eyes feel like heavy or if um, like when I blink, if I have film in my eyelash that gets on my, or my eyelid that gets on my contacts, I will like clean them off. I'll try. So. Yeah, they might just tell you, like, you've got to be a little bit more decisive and intentional about your eye care as you get into this midlife that you're entering. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm one that will, like, sleep in my contacts, uh. like, do everything in my contacts, don't take them out, like, open my eyes underwater, yeah, all that stuff. correct all those and you might be okay. Or maybe you've got something else i i don't know i'm yeah. i'm waiting so my left eye has been weird do you remember last year i'm like i can't see in my left eye yeah and i know you always talked about for a long period of time you had glasses because of whatever was going on with your eye um well i don't know if they were connected but my left oh. eye has always felt different and i had coke bottle glasses and even the like week-long agonizing frustrating recovery from um what is it called? From LASIK? Like, I was mm -hmm. the one in a thousand that has a, a, a bumpy recovery. And I would still do that. I would I would do that once a year mm -hmm. or once, a, not once a month because it was a week long, to have 20-20 vision and, and whatever else I have, to see how dirty my shower is, to not bump into things in the <laughs> middle of the night, to not, uh, you know, sleep out somewhere and go, hold on, I have to take up my contacts. Like, it's so nice. And I, I know I'm inching towards... And my, my, the vision of my left eye is not great, but my eyes together still work. But I know I'm inching towards glasses or progressive lenses, and I'm not going to like it, just like I didn't like it when they threw it at me last year, because I feel like I didn't have LASIK for long enough. But. So one of those strange things that catapulted me, because I used to take my contacts out every night, and I stopped. So Thomas used to work the third shift, um, which would leave me home by myself with the dogs, uh, with the animals, not Pete. I didn't have Pete at the time. And um, when he was doing the third shift, 
in the summertime, there was one summer where we got tons of like tornado warnings and like the sirens would actually go off. And I was worried that I would be in the middle of the night. I would have to like find my fucking contacts and put them on and then find the dog and get us safely to the bathroom. The scrambling, like I really can't see when I don't have my contacts in. Like I run into stuff. Can't, I could not see what's written on my hand in front of my face without my contacts or glasses. So I would start to sleep in them so that I could be more prepared to act if I needed to. And then I just never like I just made it a habit and never stopped. <laughs> I liked it better to be able to see when I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. Oh, my God. Or, or when there's an emergency that you have to run out for. Exactly. For that happening once in a lifetime. Hopefully no more. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I had coke. Like uh, I was kind of disappointed that after. Uh, I got my LASIK and I was throwing away my glasses with, with prescription lenses in there. I was like, you motherfuckers. Like, why didn't anybody tell me? I was walking around with like three feet of glass in these frames. So was I. And you know what's even more disappointing? Technology has not advanced enough so that those of us that do still need to wear glasses don't have to walk around looking like, I don't know. I, know. I can't even, you know, it's terrible. Mr. I think the old reference would be Mr. Magoo. There you go, Mr. Ma- exactly, Mr. Magoo. And last year, um, when this started to pop up, and then I knew that, like, when you get into your forties, um, your near vision begins to go, and that—that's like for almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why people need reading glasses. And I thought that there was something, there was a corrective surgery for that. But last year when I was going to OptiView or whatever it's called now, they're like, no, nah, that, that's not really a thing. And I don't know if that wasn't a thing for me or like that's experimental or we don't really recommend that. But uh, I'm not looking forward to it. So I'm doing everything I can to take care of my eyes and not strain them and things like that. But it's just one more thing that's going wrong on you. I'll work on it. I know. You know, add um, it to the list. You have uh, you have you have housing news that you can share. Good news. Yes. So, uh, first of all, how I came about this information, I will tell you on another day because I was being an asshole towards somebody, and that very somebody then taught me something I didn't know. So apparently, like those who have FHA loans, which was Thomas and I, full disclosure, when we were looking for homes, there's been some besides the far, the fact that the market is just terrible. Like with an FHA loan, there's certain requirements that you have to have. The benefit of that loan is you only have to put down three and a half percent and, you know, your down payments can be less for you to get approved. But some of the drawbacks are that like there's inspections that these homes have to pass. One of the other drawbacks that is very specific to like millennials and some of us is that um, with FHA loans and your student loans, no matter what you pay per month, they have to count your debt to income ratio as 1% of your loan. And so what that that means is um, when you are, you know, when they're looking at your debt to income ratio, I'm going to be completely transparent. I don't normally do this. Bye with Jordan Flights. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> he's a realtor, so he's just tossing himself in there. Bye with Jordan Flights. Anyway. When you, um, so my student loans, I owe around $60,000 in student loan debts. 30% of that is interest, or 30,000, so 50% of it is interest. Um, But my total that I owe is 60,000. But I only pay around $100 a month 
because they, and this is the crazy part, they look at my income and what I make and they say, okay, well, you can reasonably pay this much per month and it will not like break your bank. This it's pay as you earn. Got it. So you pay your, your loans back as you earn more money. Right now I pay about a hundred bucks per month, right? But for FHA loans and qualifying for a house, they have to take 1% of my total amount that I owe back, which is $600. And that is what they will say I pay per month to my student loans, although I don't. Okay. So that goes to your debt-to-income ratio? Correct. So for my monthly debt-to-income ratio, they have to report that I pay $600 in student loans when I actually pay about 100 just over 100 So this is good for you? Because they are now saying, FHA is now changing up their policy and saying that they will, the new policy will um, make it easier for borrowers to get these mortgages by saying that they are, I'm reading it right now. Um, Here it is. The new policy bases the monthly payment on the actual student loan payment, which is often lower than the 1% that was required before. So they will now report that I pay about $100 per month compared to 600 that they said that they had to before that allows me 500 more dollars per month does that make sense no i thought it was the other way because if if it shows that you're paying 600 right. then that would mean that you potentially have more income available to get a loan as opposed to paying less though that means there is more it's pretty confusing but if it's good news it's good news it was looked at as a negative that i have to pay more debt so it's like what are the debts that you have to pay in a month because that means that's less money that you have to go towards your mortgage now fha will is only going to accept what i actually pay for student loans so that's more money per month that i have to work towards a mortgage and they announced it right after juneteenth so what i thought was really cool is and the um the leader of HUD in urban development is Marsha Fudge, who is local to Ohio. And she said, as a country comes together to remember Juneteenth and acknowledge National Home Ownership Month, we are reminded of a basic truth that, oft- that too often in our history, the march forward freedom has been a long awaiting, halting, and an uneven journey. So she's saying home ownership is like a cornerstone of our dream, the best way to build generational wealth. And it's been long coming for black people to have opportunities to do that when we hold large portions of student loan debt. So it's really nice. And Senator Senator Sherrod Brown was also a part of it. And so now FHA has officially said that they will accept the debt as what you pay, not what they say you should pay. It was a huge issue for me. Like I was shocked and really angry when I found out because it really made a huge difference in what I could get approved for because they needed to say that I paid student $600 of my student loans when I actually only pay 100. You know, I do technically pay more than that. I pay what I can, with, but my minimum is around a hundred. It's Does a lot. Of, sense? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of numbers in my head. One thing that jumped out at me was when you said uh, you now have you now have more money mm-hmm. to pay to a house. Others, they might not use that money there. But I, I, I don't, I don't know. But if it's easier to get a house. That's great. Yeah. As long as it's not some kind of like nonsense, like what happened, the uh, subprime loans. And it, it doesn't sound like that. I, but I get it now. Um, I thought you, when you said you had housing news, I thought you meant like for me. 
Yeah, well, not for you. No. Like for the, because I had a Zef meeting today. and um, Oh. I can't talk about that stuff. Oh, interesting. Mm, so, that's... no, it, it's just national housing news. It doesn't make a damn difference. An FHA loan is still not a positive right now in this market. But once it becomes competitive with conventional loans, it will be a lot, just a lot easier. It'll, it'll be a lot easier for folks to be approved um, because the student loans really were like a thorn in our sides of what we were and were not able to do because they were determining our like worth by what we owe, you know, and it wasn't even a true reflection of what we're paying. Yeah, so the, ma- it, the math was off. Yeah, and, and and naturally it will mean a lot to the to the minorities and underserved communities because a lot of African Americans hold the largest amount of student loan debt. So there you go. Um, I have I, I guess good good news in that vein. I wouldn't have brought it up because it's a very small thing. And whatever the opposite of the canary in the coal mine is, it could be this. Maybe it's the canary leaving the coal mine. Um, I saw that lumber prices have been drastically coming down. Oh, great. Um, and they, they had peaked out, I guess, because the article that I read was obviously, you know, the need for more homes uh, because that market was skyrocketing, but also a lot of people doing things at home, mm-hmm. projects mm-hmm. and stuff. So the supply, demand, the economics of that. But the price has finally peaked and began began to come down in recent months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's as low as it's been in a while. Hopefully that is a good sign that the housing market and prices for that have peaked as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So then that means that um, some of the I was talking with somebody the other day and they were mentioning that they're that somebody in their life is going to be building in their budgets like around 250. And I was like, that's not going to get you much with your building. <laughs> like, right. You think it would, but nope. Um, so that's wonderful. Um, uh, a couple of the, the heavier things we'll leave towards the end of the podcast. Um, but did you uh, so we'll do the lighter stuff now. Um you're not on Twitter like I am, but for years there has been kind of a, like an old style muckracker, um, but not always doing good. Sometimes always pointing to the bad and the negative and, and not seeing the good in and Toledo tweets. That's the, that's the account with lots and lots of followers. Mm-hmm. He, he, they, I think several people have run it. Um, they, they have been rather quiet over the last year or so. Maybe they, their professional life took over. I don't know. We don't. Nobody knows who it is. Well, a couple people know who it is. I think I know who it is, but I just let it alone. But they were uh, people still send them tips from around Ooh. the area. And apparently, there was a uh, a sign yesterday. It was initially on Facebook from a, a gentleman named Ruben Rojas. I saw that. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if it's legit or not, but apparently there was or is a sign up at the corner of Douglas and Lasky. This is Claire Gaynock. I think I read that right. Uh, she had an affair with my husband for three years. She was my friend who watched our special needs child. She lied to my face about it, but I have the sex tapes they made as proof. Be warned, she likes stealing your husband or boyfriend. So just a heads up there. Watch out for Claire, I guess, or at oh, the very least. Claire. For the sign, because it is a it is a neat little Toledo story. What happened to the wholesome Claire's? Like, where where are the Claire's that you expected somebody with like a book and glasses to walk up? When I think of it, I don't think of, of somebody plastered all over the Toledo streets having having had an affair with a special needs boy's dad. You know, I don't know. Did you since you saw this? Did you do what we all do? Um, and Google look, her? Well, that or just look up her Facebook page. 
I did not. Did you? So did you? No, I didn't. But I should do that right now. I, I I'm guessing if this sign is legit, and and since you saw Ruben's Facebook post, which probably has an unimaginable amount of shares. I'm sure other people have looked up Claire and if Claire is smart, she's probably taken herself. Oh, look at that. It just showed, well, maybe it's the, the Zuckerberg in my computer, but Claire Gaynock showed right up. Oh. Interesting. You know, I, this reminds me of a situation I had of my own where I threatened to do that to somebody, but instead of, you know, posting something out on the street, I was going to put it on Facebook. Like I know now that that's a crime, but um, I was going to expose them. I think I was, I was like literally 18 or 19. I can't find this person. Uh, some Claire's have shown up, but she, she probably rightly went dark. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what can be done or if anything needs to be done. I mean, she looks kind of sweet, but hey, you got to watch out for the sweet ones, right? Yeah, that, yeah. And like, although it kind of, I must have gone a little bit locally viral for me to see it and you to see it. But um, I don't even remember what she looks like. And I'm sure a lot of people won't either. Like, you'll be fine, girl. Just keep it moving and make better decisions. There were, uh, I think I saw it on, yeah, I saw Toledo tweets and I saw it. I think somebody posted on the Toledo subreddit page. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it's gotten around. You know, it's, we live in small small town, relatively speaking. It's like two degrees of separation. Um, another lighter story. And let me get your thoughts on this or what you've heard. Some Somebody on the Toledo Reddit was complaining uh, about, posting big bold cursing letters and words they're tired of the fireworks that have been going off since like april or so and then other people hopped in and this was like west toledo and then other parts of toledo apparently at least according to these people fireworks are, are being set off and like the heavy duty uh like big big fireworks mm -hmm. show kind of being set off all over have mm -hmm. you come across this at all i have so when i was out on saturday i heard a bunch you know i was in the you like, heard guns Adam's well, and I also heard fireworks, but but between like Saturday night and Sunday night, um, I heard a ton of fireworks, even on my like, and it's not just in Toledo, like I live in Perrysburg Township and I could hear them in my area also. And then each night, I, like both of those nights, there were storms coming in. So I was up on the hill where I live, like watching them come in and I could see like you could see for miles and you could see in all parts of the town where they were letting off like um major fireworks because they would go high enough in the sky that I could see them. So there were multiple, like while you're sitting on the hill, you could see three different spots in the city where there are some sort of fireworks being let off. And there was a lot, like there was, it was like, there was never a couple minutes in between each one. Like it was always maybe, maybe a couple minutes, but never like five to 10, if that makes any sense. Are they illegal? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're not. I, I don't think you can legally do that. Okay. I wonder how many of these people who have complained have actually said something to their... Because they have... Go ahead. To their neighbors or to whoever, who, whoever is shooting these, these off. Well, the problem is... So, first of all, you can't even buy those kinds of fireworks unless you cross state lines into Michigan or Indiana, I believe. But um, and it's those types of fireworks and those are illegal. The ones that you can buy at Walmart and at Kroger around this time of year, I think those are fine. But the bigger ones are the ones that are like you're not allowed to be doing. But like know your audience also like you 
Like we, we have talked about this many times, no matter where you live in Toledo, you're not far from a not so great area. Yeah. And those things are going to happen and nobody's going to be writing them tickets. Like there's other things to focus on, like all of the crime that's happening in the city at the same time. There was like five different people shot last weekend. Of course, they're not going to go on a, on a firework call when there's a like gun violence happening at the same time. Like it's just, it's that time of year. I understand like for the dogs, I have dogs and I would not want my dogs to be like upset or inconvenienced, but it's just not as much of like, it, it doesn't really bother me. But I, yes, I have absolutely noticed and heard it and I kind of love it. It's my favorite time of year, to be honest. So I'm actually the exact opposite. Right. <laughs> And I hate fireworks uh-huh. um, just because they're mindless and mundane and talk about things we haven't been able to ever improve in centuries. Fire The same ones that Washington lit off, we're lighting those off over, over the money. And I, I, right. just, I don't like fireworks. Like, hey, I'm glad everybody gets to go downtown and enjoy these. But um, I, I, I'm with you a little bit, like know your audience. I remember this was a problem last year. People were lighting them off because we weren't going to have 4th of July festivities. Mm-hmm. And people were bored. I understand well, it was that. terrible last year. And I'm fortunate enough to live in a neighborhood where it doesn't really happen. Around the 4th last year, it happened a little bit, but it, it was manageable. Not like some of these complaints that these people seemingly have, that they're happening all the time in certain neighborhoods. Um, again, and I guess if a, if a block or a community decided to call the police, the police would do something about it, depending on mm-hmm. what their availability is and, and you know the severity of the situation. Um, I don't I don't know. Like I'm with you. If there were a bunch of fireworks going off in my neighborhood, like it would have to be two o'clock in the morning every single weeknight for me to get really upset about it. Other than that, like if it's the weekend or something like that, and again, I live downtown. Um I didn't like the fact that the mud hens shot off fireworks sometimes three times a weekend, but I'm not going to fight that battle. I didn't like that Home Slice built a deck that went farther out, so that means I would have to close my windows mm-hmm. in my bedroom or else people would see me and I would certainly hear stuff, but I know where I live. I think that, like I put on Facebook, I hate those stupid pedal bars. Um, <laughs> they're, they're idiotic, and why you'd want to do something in a gym why you'd want to drink while you do something in a gym, no thanks, and all the yelling, it's just not for me. But I know where I live. And you pick your battles. So Yeah, and it's I mean, if somebody's like going around letting off fireworks like into your front door, like right. you know what I mean, then that's a different story. But just like and I don't know, I I'm I'm curious as especially the folks that are complaining, like it this time of year reminds me so much of my childhood and that all of us in the neighborhood would get together in the middle of the street and our parents would let off fireworks for the 4th of July, like not starting like the 22nd of June, but it was such a happy time for us. So like even this weekend when we were driving home, we had to take the long way home because of the direction we were coming, which is across the river, like down by middle grounds across the river to the east side. And there were fireworks going off on the east side as well, but there was people in the street laughing and having a good time, riding around on bikes, like after dark, you know what I mean? Like music playing, it, it's just, it's something I enjoy and I love to see. So I'm literally the exact opposite when it comes to this time of year. So sucks for folks who don't like it, but it, I, I like it. There are a lot of things to celebrate at, at this time as well as, as life gets mm-hmm. back to, some normalcy that we had 15 months or so ago. And like I said, unless it's at an in a completely inappropriate time, regularly, 
I'm okay with it like you. And, and part of that is because the dogs don't care. Um, yeah, my dogs don't care at all. <laughs> let me uh, let me knock out a quick uh, couple of traffic reports. Mute yourself for about 90 seconds and I'll come right back, okay? Hi. Um, there's, uh, I, I don't know if you saw that there's boxing now. There's some uh, free boxing camp for kids at, I think it's Smith Park all this week. So there is always something going on. Um, with our city parks, and I wish the narrative would get built, and and it's up to the to the local media. I, I guess we're I'm, we're that, but the news stations. I wish somebody would do a larger story, like oh, and maybe they are, and maybe I'm missing it, but I just see the events being talked about, not like the onslaught of activity at all of these parks. I mean, they are arguably more yeah. active. I mean, people just walk around the metro parks for the most part, but there is th- these things are basically summer. D- Daytime summer camps for kids at multiple city parks all over the city all summer long, and that needs to be uh, that needs to be uh, given credit to yeah. to hope to to continue to stem whatever violence or trouble these kids could be getting into because there's literally something all the time at these parks during the day, and it's the city needs great credit for it. I think it, there needs to be like oversaturation of that message so like i think they are reporting on it but you see it once and then you don't see it again yeah where like ahead of news cycles like the 5 p.m and 6 p.m it's like a reminder of or before commercial like just a 60 second update on what you can find in your community this week this 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 and this and you do it every you know what i mean like you do it on every news cycle like morning afternoon night over and over and over again yeah um when i was out at uh at the jazz one last week, it's called Fox Glove Park. I kept thinking Fox Truck, Fox Row, Fox Love. It's Fox Glove. You've probably never mm-hmm. heard of it or been there, right? Nope. It is a small little park, but it was, it was a lovely time. And uh, Dave Gerke handed me something that I guess the city and, and others had created. And it's an entire program of what's happening all summer. And I saw, so Ottawa Park, I think people know it's the ice skating rink. They've got an amphitheater there. It's, it's maybe the most active for all people. But I saw, I think one, it's a year round mm-hmm. ice skating rink. That might, that might be inaccurate. But I think they also uh, are renting Ooh. roller and inline skates. And I'm like, Amanda can you skate? She's like, I can inline. I was like, let's oh, no. go. Can you and Thomas skate? Oh, really? You would do that? So I can. Thomas cannot. He can inline. I take that back. I think he can inline, um, but he can't ice skate. I can. Um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, short. Yeah. <laughs> Answer Are, is yes, we can. And I'm, that's really, that's really great. And I'm excited to see like next year when the glass city opens, like what that, that's going to bring in the way of activities and whatnot. Um, I, I think our timing might be off. I'm going to count to three, so follow me. One, two. Three. <laughs> I'm going to disconnect you. Come back on, all right? Okay. Um, so before we get to some of the serious stuff, uh, we'll get away from city parks. There's three pop culture things I want to throw out there. Um, one, I had not seen her name for a long, long time, and she sadly passed away. She drowned, but there is a very good... Um, Batman tale that's about to be released in animated form. I think it's out today. It's called Long Halloween. It's got tons of Batman vict- uh, villains and people that are, uh, want characters people are familiar with. I think some of it was adapted in the Dark Knight parts of it. Um, but Naya Rivera is the voice of Catwoman, and it is her last work. Oh, she is. Yeah. Did you did you know that at all? Oh. Okay. Now it's breaking up. Can you hear uh, me? I'm gonna kick you out again. Took my phone off the internet and put it back on. No, now it's good. 
Um, okay, Naya so, Rivera. Yeah, so she's Catwoman, and, and I mean that it got on my radar because it's a Batman thing, and it's a, a movie I want to see. But also her last work. That's so sad. I I was talking with somebody about that actually the other day, and they're like, Naya Rivera died, and they're like, what? They didn't know that she died. I was like, she died a long time ago. There was a lot of drama around it too, but it's always weird when somebody like just passes away and then you see their work, like um, Luke Chadwick Perry, yes. Chadwick Boseman, Luke Perry. There was a couple where it's just really freaking sad. Um, uh, we're gonna hit some of this over the summertime because when Marvel, the next Marvel thing on Disney Plus is called What If, where mm-hmm. they cross up all the characters and like uh, the the Peggy, what's her face from Captain America, mm-hmm. is Captain Britain or something, and they're they're gonna they have to broach the Chadwick Boseman situation in some way. So we'll have mm. some feels about that. But you're right because you remember you're, you forget these people have work in the can or the, Heath Ledger for that matter in the Dark Knight was dead six months, seven months when that movie came out. Yeah, I always hate like. Um some of the shows, some of the award shows when an artist will pass away and somebody plays their music and it's like the first time that we've heard it, like somebody does a cover and I'm just like, this sucks, man. This sucks. Remember our DMX weekend? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You're, you're right about Naya Rivera, how it happened and, and it was it was dramatic. It was almost like crime documentary stuff because if I think I have this right. She it was. And her, she and her five-year-old went out on a boat she drowned and they found the kid and that was it. Yeah, they found him in the boat, like sleeping and unsure or unclear how long he was in that boat sleeping. And like she just kind of disappeared and there wasn't any reason. Although some, as we were talking about it, somebody said that she got taken under by a current. You know what? We were talking about that because some the how there's a there was a family that almost drowned in the mommy this weekend. Yeah. And that's how I was talking about it. And so apparently she got taken under by a current, but they also found like some like drugs in her system, I believe, but none that she was using at that time. Like just stuff that had been in her system from days ago. That story uh, about the doctor who saved them is incredible. Um, you might you you should reconnect because mm-hmm. you're really garbledly right it now. Is. Oh Jesus! Are you <laughs> sure it wasn't just me drinking my pop? Are you better now? No, there's a delay. I'm, Am I? I'm, I'm going to cut you out and come back. <laughs> so I, I, this is this probably uh, got caught up with the weekend, and we don't follow news like we do um, on the weekend as we do during the week. So this this doctor, and I forget where this was, uh, somewhere down river, down the Maumee River. Doctor lived at home, saw like a family going out to the water, and he knows that people have had had struggled to swim in that spot before, and he had to wind up uh, rushing out to save them. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think. Hi, are you back? Yeah. So that I was just mentioning that that doctor saw at his window the family was struggling to swim and help me out here. I think there were four family members and I only think two survived. No, I think they all survived. Did they? I want to say it was one dad and three kids, and yeah. they, I, I believe they all survived. And it like we've all had that moment, like the doctor had, where it's like you're watching something and you're like, "This is a train wreck," and I'm watching it like on its way to crash. And so he's like, I can't sit here and watch this. So I think he went out to try to save them before they needed saving. I hope so. I know he said that he had seen this often because people thought they were 
able to manage the water where they were, but they really they really weren't. But yeah, I can't believe that story didn't get more publicity or press. And maybe it's just because the doctor didn't want it. I think he's a ProMedica doctor. But yeah, a, a wild story that fits with the, Amazing, the, yeah. the, the Naya Rivera story. Um, the other thing is, have you seen the T-Pain Usher thing? No, what's going on with that? So I guess there's a T-Pain Netflix documentary because everybody's got a documentary uh, coming out. And he says that... So I guess he apparently idolized Usher. We were talking when T-Pain was like 25 years old. And now um, I'm Sprung is about 15 years old or a little older than that to make you feel old. Um, mm-hmm. T-Pain might, might just be barely older than you. I'm not sure. But I guess he idolized Usher and Usher was like, you fucked up music because of all the auto-tuning that he did so well and others copied. And I guess Usher and others, I mean, didn't Jay-Z have a song, Death of Auto-Tune? And a lot yeah. of popular figures in the music industry didn't like that T-Pain did that, even though I think Lil Wayne rode that wave to a great album. And T-Pain says it caused him, he said that comment, and I'll, I'll, I'll put this in context, it seemed like that comment was the catalyst of four years of depression that T-Pain had to deal with. I believe it. I believe it. And shame on Usher. Like, shame on Usher. Like, what, that comment, like, what was the point of it? Like, what was your goal other than to be like rude or mean or, you know what I mean? I don't, that's ridiculous because I'm sure like as music has evolved over the decades, there's always been something new that came out that the other musicians didn't agree with, but ended up becoming popular. Like what was that thing that um, um, Pharrell and NERD were working off of? And the guy from Linkin Park where he had that little thing where it made all those noises, you know, and he pressed all the buttons. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to hear, I'd like to hear more from Usher because it might have just been uh, an offhand comment that uh, he didn't mean to be so harmful, but it was, I'm not completely letting him off the hook. It's not a great comment, but I can understand. Again, I understand why he said it or what he said. I don't agree with it, but at the, and I guess it looks a little worse knowing that T-Pain is so darn talented that yeah. he was more than auto-tuned. But maybe when this comment was said, you know, that's all everybody thought he was. And, he, and again, he was so much more than that. He's so talented, so gifted. And again, exactly. little, little Wayne like has done the second half of his career in auto-tune. That's true. That's true. Um, you're beginning to cut out again. So I'll try to wrap us up here quickly with two last things. I had, where were the two serious ones? Uh, one, I'm sure you're as delighted as I am that former Browns player Carl Nassib, I think I pronounced that correctly, uh, grew up actually outside of Philadelphia, somewhat near me in Westchester, PA, went to Penn State, was originally drafted by the Browns, and he is the first ever active and quality. He's not a bench guy. He's not a scrub. He's not fighting for a job. I mean, all NFL players are, but people know the name. He uh, came out as gay yesterday. I think on his Instagram story uh, during pride month, I never thought I'd live to see the day. Although I'm a little disappointed today, though I should have known better. Um, When somebody usually says something of a position or a stance or an advocacy, there's a lot of support from around the league. You know, if officials blew a call in NBA game, the Kaepernick stuff, very quiet on the Carl Nassib front from his um, his co-workers around the league, which is not surprising because there is still a lot of hate, misunderstanding, and homophobia in, in the NFL. So, isn't he... He's not the first one. Who was the other guy? Something Sam's? Uh, Samuel? So, Michael Sam 
was played at Missouri, was an okay player, and was project, projected to get drafted as like a fourth or fifth round pick, I think. On, okay. He, he made, he said, I, I'm gay and I'm going to go to the league like this. He got drafted in the seventh round by the Rams. And oh, okay. whether what he was then, which was 2014, seven years ago now, was too much of a distraction for what the NFL was then, or it was that and he wasn't that good. He didn't last in the league. I don't know how many games he actually played or actually started. So he didn't last long. So when this, when I heard the news about this yesterday, I was actually like, I was happy to see it. I was like, oh, that's awesome. But then at the same time, I'm like, that's so sad. Like, why does this have to be like news? You know what I mean? Like, why does he have to feel like he needs to come out on his platform? But maybe he wants to. Right. But then when I listened, that was I, I read what you shared. I didn't listen to his message or go and listen to it until this morning. And there was something strange about it. It almost like and I'm not criticizing him at all. And this is his moment to come out. So it definitely doesn't deserve any critique. This isn't a criticism of him. This is more of a concern. Um, he didn't sound like he wanted to do it, if that makes any sense. It was kind of like, hey, just want to let y'all know I'm gay. Been mean to tell you that for a while. I'm donating to the Trevor Project. It means a lot to me. You know what I mean? I don't want to. I don't want to infer anything because okay. and, and I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. But for all we know. How many hours of tears and anguish did that cause him? Maybe he could only get right. out a certain amount of energy. Um, I'm not criticizing him by any means. Literally, I'm not criticizing him because I agree with you. Like, the, However somebody comes around to coming out and sharing that news is their business and their right to do. It almost, it just made me like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I was like, please don't let somebody be like... Um, profiting off of this right. or um forcing your hand in some kind of way i don't want to hear that down the line that like he felt like his hand was forced and he had to just like share this information for the sake of the raiders or or the nfl or whatever or because his agent says hey you're you you play in vegas now so he plays for the vegas raiders um maybe there are more opportunities for him to market himself there and and, and i agree with right. you like I hope he did it because it's what he felt comfortable doing. And that's it. Like, that's all yeah. that needs to be said. Agreed. Agreed. Like, like, he can maybe, maybe he thought to himself, I'm getting to the point in my career now where I'm, I'm, I'm a young, I'm a veteran. I've been in the mm -hmm. league. I know how the league works. The last thing on my mind, keeping me from, you know, raising my abilities up another level is this. So yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. And I wanted to think about the math because something I'm always reminded of, there have been maybe five to ten or more NFL players who have come out after they have retired when they felt it was safer and they didn't have to be in a locker room. Mm -hmm. um, but what what is, do you know offhand like what the gay population is? Is it a couple percent? Oh, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's like two percent and I might be way off. But So there are 1,600 players roughly in the NFL. So that means there's probably... Uh, the math about about one per team anyway. So th the point is, if it hasn't brought well, not the point, but a point in all this is there have always been gay men in the NFL, right? Um, and that's something that should be reminded of the players who I'm not going to call them homophobic or hateful, but maybe are a little uncertain or maybe scared. Like, yeah, uh, you can probably speak to the black idea of homophobia and, and not hate, but like. He ain't looking at me, right? No, because there have been players in locker rooms who have 
been gay before and they didn't do they, no one no one like came and molested you no one was looking at your dick or your ass or anything like that everybody was a football player in that locker room that's a, that's also like a straight person like a hetero mentality because yeah. even like if you take a straight man to a gay bar the first thing they're gonna say is like either i don't want anybody to hit on me or when they leave they're like i can't believe anybody hit on me nobody hit on me like I can't even a million and one straight men make those comments when they go to gay bars with their friends or it's like, yeah. I can't believe nobody hit on me after I left here I, while I was here. That didn't happen. I think it's especially pervasive in the athlete culture sure, because yep. of the, the machismo factor of it. Yep. Um, but like I remember I used to rationalize it and not put myself in those shoes or ever think like this, but it's like uh, he... Like Carl Nassib might be gay and, you know, number 46 might wonder if he's looking at him in the same way that like you could show me a naked woman and I and I wouldn't be attracted to her because that's not my type. You might not be his type. So like, let's get it all out of our heads and let's let's practice and get on the field. And that type of dynamic doesn't just exist in the NFL because it's a contact sport. Like there are gay doctors who there's a there could be a lesbian doctor who is my gynecologist and I'm not going to be concerned that she's looking at my lady parts. You know what I mean? Like she's my gynecologist and I'm seeing her for her ability and her knowledge. They should really be seen for those things. And it's usually obviously always mostly the heterosexual community um and our like traditional like formats like sports that really make things a problem when they don't need to be to your point um professionalism is is paramount and i think Mm -hmm. most nfl players with the exception of like the antonio browns of the world who one way or another mouth or behave or misbehave their way out of the league um, mm-hmm. They know that they have to be professionals. Uh, we we watch the screw-ups tweet dumb shit, but yeah. the majority of them are good professionals on and off the field because they know they're under the spotlight. So, no, Carl Natsib might be completely attracted to some straight dude in his locker room, but I trust that he will be a professional and not go over to him and make a scene because, you know, that's his workplace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great story. Not a great story, but not surprising. Um the, the feistiness at the Perrysburg school meeting last Ugh. night where uh, Tom Hosler, the, the superintendent, doubled down, said we're not going to teach critical race theory, but we have this critical, this CQ, critical uh, cultural intelligence. And I don't know how involved he was in that, but that made some sense. And while I'm disappointed, I should have known better because like I've, I, I should have reminded myself. Um, yes, the only black people in Perrysburg are you and Thomas and the people on the the water tower. But it, it's just it's just bothersome to me that like like we talked about last week, like that people have such a problem embracing their history. But it's a room full of white people, and I wanted to make sure that I put the the one news story that had statistics where ninety um, percent of nine years ago. 90% of Perrysburg students are white. Today, 80%, which is still a massive majority. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, more than 96% of Perrysburg school teachers are white. More than mm-hmm. 11% of the student body qualifies for poverty assistance, and 10% are on an IEP, an individualized education plan. Hostler said those students are the teachers uh, may not naturally know how to relate to, and the CQ committee can help them learn how to better serve those students. And I hope this is a walk-before-you-run kind of thing mm-hmm. um, as more minorities and people of color are part of Perrysburg. Um, if they I didn't cho- know. I did. I would have went. I didn't know about that. I mean, I, I pay taxes. Like, it's yeah. my school district, so 
you know, I absolutely would have went if I would have known about it and, and like shared my voice, but it's just, um, it, and I remember we were talking about this with Philip last week and it's, um, I didn't, I went to all black elementary school, essentially, like there was a small percentage of white folks and I'd never had a black teacher. And then my high school was predominantly black and I never had a black teacher. So I went through all of my elementary, middle and high school without having a black teacher at all. Not until I went to college. Um, so that, I mean, that's like a real thing and it, I don't need to go down the line of critical race theory. We agree that it, the, the mistake they made was how, what they named it. Um, and that, that made it, to, that turned it into a weapon that's now being used with, with, you know, without any forethought of like, let's understand what this actually is. So, um, yeah. And we don't have to rehash what we talked about last sure. week. It's just, it, it's troubling that people can't critically think and grasp or, or, you know what? They might not want to. Um, mm-hmm. the, in Perrysburg, there's Perrysburg Township. So I, I could see more in the city. I could see people being more embracing. Um, other parts of Perrysburg, maybe like out where you live, where <laughs> you see exactly. coyotes yeah. and you can see the Milky Way. I could exactly. see where, where people would be like, critical race theory. I'm critical of anybody that doesn't look like me. But it's kind of hard with what has been the discourse over the last year for people who can't think through this. Like, what do you think happened during slavery? Like, I know you learned about lynchings and things like that. And maybe you took some history classes in college, but can't you kind of sync that together with, have you not heard the dialogue over the last year that black people get and people of color get pulled over by police without reason more than you? So it's, it's just there, there it's, there's refusal to believe it. Like, and that's the problem. Of course they've heard it. Of course they've seen it over and over again. You can come to them with logic and reason and real life examples from people that they know personally, and it still won't make a difference in nudging them to understand and believe that these things exist, therefore they need to be learned, you know, or they should be taught, or there should be some education behind why that happens. It's just not gonna happen. I mean, yeah. I am in the Facebook page for, for the city of Perrysburg, and it's awful. I mean, I, I you remember that comment that I, spoke about, I think, on the podcast where a a woman, you know, there was some vandalism and somebody said, see, this is why I walk up to kids at the pool and ask if they if they live here. And I said, but how do you make the determination on who you're going to ask and who you don't? You know, that's that's where you have a problem. (laughs) So that's why somebody's going to stand up against you every time. You better hope that person's mother isn't there because if it was mine, (laughs) it would have been over. Unless you listen, and some people will, yeah. many won't, and that's why we, we have this this feistiness. And to uh, wrap this up, uh, it was timely today. I, I saw a story, and this is from the Atlanta, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm guessing it skews very, you know, like any big city newspaper, pretty liberal, um, when it comes to defund the police, which was the, the narrative that was weaponized right. in the wrong direction last year. So, uh, and this is the headline, and it was a good story. I didn't see anything that refuted or this or made it a bad headline. Atlanta almost withheld $73 million in, um, Atlanta almost withheld, uh, Atlanta almost withheld uh, all that money in funding last year. What's changed? And I believe the, the budget for police actually um, went up, or there still is a, sub, like the highest thing in Atlanta's 22 budget, 20, uh, 2022 budget is the police force. $230 million compared to 104 in second place for fire services. So it's not, it was never about defunding. It was about spending and being exactly. smarter. 
exactly. It was just the way that we went. Whoever you know was in charge of naming it what they named it. It it just there was no way that it was going to win. And I will almost bet, and I'm sure we will have this discussion come you know next year. I will almost bet in the midterms, critical race theory will be discussed and weaponized over and over. It's going to be the platform. Defunding the police will be the platform. Critical race theory in the schools. It's going to be the conservative platform to try to get them back in power in the midterm elections because that's next year. You know what, though? It, it might blow up in their face. And this is where, you know, I step back and go, I am not Nate Silver of 538. I'll leave this to them. Um, and I'm going to I just told Dan, Janet to text us. I might have fixed our thing. But this is different than fake news or mm-hmm. the election's been stolen or or Hillary. Hillary, any because like all you have to do is open up a history book. But that, but you had to do the same thing with this. You ha, you would have had to do the same thing with the lies and the mis the misleading information that that these leaders were giving their party and their base, and they weren't doing it. They were just listening to what was coming out of their leaders' mouths, believing it, and then taking it and running with it to their supporters and their communities. You, if they didn't open up a book to confirm that you know the president was lying and that some of these like governors and all of you know whomever if senators were lying to them to try to get their vote, then they're not going to do it for this. I know. I, so I, that's I, why I feel like it's going to work. I, I know you could have people who we're talking about right now go, "The sky is red," and their people will believe it. And scientists, I mean, we dealt with this with COVID. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I, did you see the graphic? The uh, you see the graphic the last week that was like a, a guy turning around from his computer going, honey, I found that the COVID virus, it, I'm smarter than the scientists now. <laughs> so I get it. And even with that, that's a little gray. But like you, you can open up a history book and be like, wow, they did do this stuff to black people. Like they brought these, there would be no black people here unless white people brought them on boats as slaves. Like yeah. it's irrefutable. And I get it. Maybe some people will listen. Maybe they'll let some some pragmatic, smart people on the right networks and some people will, will hear them out because you can't just go fake news. Like fake slavery. No, 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 no. Real slavery. You can't technically, but it happens and it happens so much that it almost like shakes our ability to get past it, if that makes any sense. So there is still, I, I don't think the 22 election, 2022 elections are going to go in the conservatives' favor, in the Republicans' favor. I think we will come out on the other side of it again. But the fact that you get so close, that the race is so close, that is my that is how, why I believe that like this really is going to be a huge platform and it very well could be a close like second to the right thing, if that makes any sense. What can uh, what can Democrats throw back at them uh, other than the truth? Like what would what, what other than I mean, defending th- themselves? I, what would they I go think, any aggressive on? I don't. I think they. I would prefer for the Democrats to kind of address their own uh, to look internally first and to to make a decision on what their message is going to be. Um, and like is critical race theory the clearest message we need to be giving if not we need to rename it you know we need to give it another name give it another identity maybe like real life examples of what it means and and how it you know how it affects people today like kind of the things that I'm not to say like what I did on the podcast the last few days but just like there needs to be they need to combat it with like realistic reality truths that's not the all the opposite side of the spectrum 
Like you're really trying to get the people that are right there in the middle. You know, you're going to yeah. have your liberal supporters, but you also have some conservatives who aren't really on board with everything that their group is coming out with. But you need to speak to them. Yeah, that's why Trump lost the election, because he really fouled up COVID in the lead up to the election. And he swayed right. people who were in the middle or undecided. Right. But I will say, um, if we're if we're speaking something political right now, the only thing that I want to say, I'm going to go back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, everybody says like, Obama didn't do anything for the black community. Biden is not doing anything for the black community. Like Biden appointed Marsha Fudge. Senator Brown is in there. Like these groups of people made the difference in what FHA will now accept and what they won't accept as far as student loans. And it it directly affects black people. You see, yeah. like, so and that's that is a that is that is from the Joe Biden administration. So like these things are happening, you know, may, are they happening quickly? Maybe not, but will there be more things that happen down the line because we're not even, we're six months into his presidency? Absolutely. Like this Joe Biden appointed Marsha Fudge who then worked with the FHA organization to then get this change for us. And it's huge. So yeah. anyway, things won't happen. Things, things, things won't happen overnight. They take years. Sometimes they get, into the sludge of Washington. Um, but yeah, yeah he, he is, he is, because I don't know if he's going to run again. Um, no, and, and, I don't think so. And at this, I mean, I, I don't want to speculate. <laughs> I know Nate Silver about 2024, whatever, whenever the next election, I'm guessing 24. Yeah. yeah um, but he's setting things up for people like who you've named so they can do the work, so they can increase their clout and power. It, it, it's putting the right people in place, not necessarily doing the right acts. Yeah, yeah. And I know like when, you know, earlier in the podcast when I was quoting Marsha, Senator Fudge and, and Brown, I just like, I was so excited. I mumbled through the entire thing. But when you really think about it, like that is huge for some of us who have, who, you know, have educated ourselves the way we were told to and now have this mountain of debt and are unable to just accomplish simple things that we, that can build us generational wealth for ourselves and our family. So it's it's just huge. Now the market's not the greatest, but that can be addressed. But you know, this is just was fantastic. Janet. Hi, Janet. Oh. I, I I don't. Janet, can you hear us? Janet, can you hear us? Janet, can you hear us? <laughs> this. Yeah. I I, I tried. I tried. Ugh. So apparently, and you can you can say this, I am a Sprint customer. I now have to be T-Mobile because they bought Sprint. And I had to take my, when I got my um, Apple Watch, they put a SIM card in my iPhone because they said all Sprint customers are going to have to get SIM cards in the next six months. And if you don't, then you'll have interruptions. Ever since I went and got that SIM card, my service in my home is terrible. You know this because I've had yeah. to go outside to talk to you. And it didn't it start just a couple weeks ago? Yep. Terrible. Literally, I cannot have a conversation with anybody without having to go outside to take the call. You I'm talk very to, disappointed. You talk to T-Mobile. Just tell them your switch. I mean, I'm sure AT&T or Verizon will take you in two seconds. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I just don't feel like paying a lot of money. Um, I don't think that will happen because I think they give you enough in some kind of savings. Oh, okay. Uh, to make it at least a wash. I mean, maybe there's the $50 activation fee or something like that. Oh, that's fine. But I know that, like, I think that's the case for all the companies. Like, I've had AT&T for as long as I can remember. If I was like, hey, Verizon, do you want me? They would be like, absolutely. And my phone number comes over and it's probably pretty seamless. Yeah, I've had, I've been with Sprint since I got a cell phone when I was 15. So 
Um, I've been with them, I think they said 16 years in my system. So that was what, in the system. That's why I didn't have to pay for a whole lot when I got the watch activated. But I'm very disappointed that my service, like every call fails that I take in my home. Nobody can hear me in my home. This has been a hot mess today. So um, I'm disappointed. As you should be as a Sprint T-Mobile customer. I hope you reach out to your local representative. That means... I need to start coming back to the studio for podcasting. So Soon, hopefully soon. <laughs> but for now, we are done. I'm glad we could figure this all out. I'll edit this all up, and I will text you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye.